Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading this morning is from John chapter 20 and verses 24 to 31. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, we continue in our series entitled Encounters with Jesus in John's Gospel. And today we're looking at Jesus' encounter with Thomas. And, and you've got to love Thomas. I think we can all relate to Thomas. He's a good, modern, 21st century, postmodern skeptic. Uh, you know, he's, he's perhaps a bit cynical, but he's a realist. Uh, when, when Jesus says to all the disciples, uh, come on, let's go to Jerusalem, he's the only one who knew what was going to happen. He knew that was a bad idea. It wouldn't end well. The Jewish religious leaders were out to get them. They would kill Jesus. But no one listened to his warning. And so we read in John chapter 11 and verse 16, he says, let us also go that we may die with him. A bit cynical, but a realist. And he's not easily persuaded. He's not caught up with hype and emotion. He needs hard evidence. He needs facts. And of course, what he had said was true. When they went to Jerusalem, they arrested Jesus and then they crucified him. But then he starts getting all these crazy reports from the woman who claimed that they found the tomb empty. Two of the disciples, Peter and John, go to check it out, and they confirm that the tomb was empty. Well, empty except for the grave clothes, which just seemed to have collapsed like a caterpillar's cocoon when the butterfly emerges. It was as though Jesus just passed through the grave clothes. And when John saw the empty tomb and the grave clothes, we read in John chapter 20 and verse 8, we simply read, he saw and believed. I can imagine Thomas rolling his eyes and shaking his head. How can you believe Jesus has risen from the dead? 
Sure, the tomb is empty, and I can't explain the grave clothes, but let's not go jumping to conclusions. But then the woman come with this crazy report that they've actually seen Jesus. They've actually seen the risen, the physical risen from the dead Jesus. But this is easy for Thomas as a first century Jewish male to simply disregard the testimony of these delusional and hysterical women. I mean, in that culture, a woman's testimony wouldn't stand up in a court of law at the best of times, let alone when they're full of grief. Easy to explain away for Thomas. They, they, they must have been overcome with shock or something, he would reason. A side note, what is so remarkable, especially within that cultural context, is that Jesus first appears to women. This shows Jesus' attitude towards women. He treats them with a huge amount of respect. He treats them as equals. He makes them the first witnesses to the fact that he physically rose from the dead. And this lays the foundation for the world's attitude towards women. Sadly, it's taken 2,000 years and we're still not there yet. It also reveals the real authenticity of this account. I mean, if you were making up this story, you wouldn't make a woman being the first witness to Jesus rising from the dead, would you? Well, you definitely wouldn't in that cultural context. We then read in verse 24, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Thomas wasn't at church. Jesus appears and shows up at church, but Thomas wasn't there. That's why we need to come to church. See, it's, it's on a Sunday. It's a Sunday evening. All the disciples have gathered together. Jesus appears to them. But typically, Thomas wasn't there. So verse 25, so the other disciples told him, we had seen the Lord. Now it's not just the woman, but all the disciples are saying to him, we have seen the Lord, but he's still not persuaded. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's a big statement. I will not believe. Unless he has hard evidence, unless he sees with his own eyes and touches with his own hands, he will not believe. You see, Thomas is a realist. He knows that people don't rise from the dead. He knows death is final. Death is irreversible. It doesn't matter how much wishful thinking you, you have when someone's dead, they're dead. Now, there's a lot of intellectual enlightenment snobbery these days. I don't know if you've heard this, but I've often heard people say, well, in the past, 
People used to believe that people could rise from the dead. But ever since the Enlightenment and with our scientific knowledge, we know that people don't rise from the dead. So in the past, people thought, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. But we know that that's obviously not true. I don't know if you ever heard something like that. That's nothing but intellectual enlightenment snobbery. The ancient people knew just as well as us that people don't rise from the dead. When the disciples went around telling people, Jesus has risen from the dead, nobody responded. Oh, wow, really? What a coincidence. My uncle rose last week. No one responded like that. Everybody knew nobody rises from the dead. This was extraordinary. This was exceptional. This was groundbreaking stuff. Sure, some of the Jews in the first century believed in the resurrection, the rising, based on Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. They believed that the righteous, those who put their faith and their trust in God, would rise from the dead. But that would only happen at the end of this age. And at that point, everyone would rise from the dead. The, 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 and then the, this age would come to the end and the new age would begin and it would be the start of the new creation. The idea that just one person would rise from the dead all by themselves and before the end of the age was simply beyond their horizon. And no one expected that. It was an absurd idea because they knew people don't rise from the dead. And so Thomas needs hard evidence. He knows people don't rise from the dead. So he says, unless I see with my own eyes and touch with my own hands, I will not believe. I need hard evidence. I need proof. Are you like that? Do you need hard evidence, proof? We then read in verse 26, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So it's a week later, it's a Sunday again, and all the disciples have gathered together again for church, but this time Thomas is with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas receives undeniable evidence that Jesus had physically risen from the dead. And when Thomas sees with his own eyes and touches with his own hands, when he receives this undeniable evidence, he exclaims in, in verse 28, My Lord and my God. When he receives this undeniable evidence, he doesn't just believe and come to the realization that Jesus had physically risen from the dead. No, no, he goes way beyond that. He comes to the realization that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the creator God, the one who created the whole universe. This is way beyond anything anyone else has ever declared in the Gospel of John. This cynic and skeptic is the first person in the Gospel of John to declare that Jesus is God. 
You see, the fact that Jesus rose, physically rose from the dead, strongly suggests that there is a creator God. And that creator God is revealed to us in Jesus. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Now, for the majority of people and for all of us, we haven't seen the physical risen from the dead Jesus. We haven't had the opportunity, like Thomas, to, to see with our own eyes and to touch with our own hands. And Jesus says that we are blessed if we have not seen and yet have believed. So some people say, oh, okay, so, so Thomas gets hard evidence, proof, but, but we just have to have blind faith. And, and, and some would even say that faith is, is believing in something that, that, that you can't prove, it's impossible to prove because it lacks any evidence. Is that faith? Is faith always blind faith? A leap in the dark? Is Jesus encouraging wishful thinking and blind faith? No, of course not. You see, this is a rebuke. Jesus is rebuking Thomas. He, he says... Um, he says to him in verse 27, stop doubting and believe. He's effectively saying to Thomas, you should have believed. You didn't need to see me, physically see me in order to believe. You've had enough evidence already. You've seen the empty tomb. You've heard the testimony of the woman. You've heard the testimony of the man. You should have believed. Why didn't you believe? You see, this isn't blind faith. This isn't a leap in the dark. This is faith based on historical evidence, on, on good historical evidence. The tomb was empty. And then there's the testimony of the woman and the disciples. And we have the same good historical evidence. We know the tomb was empty, and we've also heard the testimony of the woman and the disciples. And the only reasonable conclusion is that Jesus did physically rise from the dead. So firstly, we know the tomb was empty. If the tomb wasn't empty, when the disciples started preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead in Jerusalem, the Jewish religious leaders would have just said, no, no, he hasn't. Look, there's his body in the tomb. That they would have just produced the body, and that would have been the end of it. In fact, we have historical evidence that the Jewish religious leaders never denied that Jesus died and never denied that the tomb was empty. They knew that to be true. And so they claim Jesus' disciples stole the body. Uh, we have documented evidence written around A.D. 150, where the Jewish religious leaders claim a godless and lawless heresy has sprung up from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver, whom we crucified, but his disciples stole him by night from the tomb, where he was laid. 
when unfastened from the cross, and now deceive men by asserting that he has risen from the dead and ascended, so risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. And so this proves that the tomb was empty. You see, they're not denying that Jesus died. They're not denying that the tomb was empty. They know that to be the case. And so they claim that Jesus' disciples stole the body. So we can know for certain that Jesus died and the tomb was empty. The only two possible explanations is either Jesus did rise from the dead or his disciples stole the body. Now, we'll look at the possibility of the disciples stealing the body a bit later. Secondly, we have the testimony of the woman and the disciples. They all claim to have seen the physical risen from the dead Jesus. Now, some have claimed, well, well perhaps they were just hallucinating. And, and that in their grief and in their desire for Jesus to be alive, they were hallucinating, saw a vision of Jesus, and they believed that to be the physical risen from the dead Jesus. Now, I find that very implausible because, firstly, they don't fit the profile. Uh, people who hallucinate are normally highly strung, nervous people, imaginative people, or they're sick, or, or they're on drugs. They're not a bunch of fishermen. They're definitely not a cynic like Thomas or a tax collector like Matthew. Secondly, people, a group of people, don't have the exact same hallucination. They all have different hallucinations. Sure, a group of people under the influence of drugs may all hallucinate at the same time, hallucinate together, but they have different hallucinations. They don't all have the same hallucination. Well, man, can you see that dude with a beard? No. No, that's in your head. That's your hallucination. I don't see it. Yet all the disciples saw the exact same risen from the dead Jesus. And you can't touch a hallucination. And hallucinations can't drink and eat all your food. And what about the tomb? The tomb was empty. If they just saw a hallucination, then the body would still be in the tomb. But the tomb was empty. So the only reasonable explanation is that Jesus has physically risen from the dead. Or the disciples got together, decided to steal the body, and then lie to everyone. But those are the only two options. Either Jesus did physically rise from the dead, or the disciples stole the body and lied to everyone. The only two options. Now, I find it extremely hard to believe the disciples stole the body. When Jesus was crucified, they all ran away. They were terrified. They went into hiding. They weren't in the state of mind to go and steal a body from a guarded tomb, which was a capital offense in those days. They would never risk their lives to steal the body. But even more so, they were all prepared to die for the claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. In fact, they all, except for John, they all did die. They were tortured and killed for their claim that Jesus had physically risen from the dead. Now, of course, 
Many people are prepared to die for their religious beliefs. If someone sincerely believes something, even if they're sincerely wrong, they will be prepared to die for that belief. But, and this is important, but no one is prepared to die for something they know is false, that they know is a lie. Can you see the difference? Many people today would be prepared to die for a religious belief which they believe to be true. But they weren't there to verify it. If the disciples stole the body, they would know it's not true. They would know it's a lie. And they would never be prepared to die for a lie. But yet they were all prepared to die for the claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. If it was a lie, they would just go, well, actually, I'm, I'm just joking. Look, the body's there. Uh, but none of them said that. Not one of them said that. They were all prepared to be tortured and killed for the claim that they had seen Jesus physically risen from the dead. And therefore, we can be absolutely confident that the tomb was empty and that Jesus did physically rise from the dead. And so we have objective historical evidence. This is not blind faith. This is not a leap in the dark. There's objective historical evidence. But more than that, we have subjective personal experience. When you put your faith in Jesus, you experience, you have an encounter with the risen Jesus in your life. In verse 26, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. We too can experience the peace of Jesus. The peace of knowing that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. The peace of being forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God. The peace that we can experience even in the midst of hardship. The peace that transcends understanding. And all the early followers of Jesus experienced that peace and it completely transformed their lives and it resulted in this extraordinary movement that swept across the whole known world and it's still happening today. It's, it, it's been an unprecedented move in human history and it's still happening today with more than 2.3 billion Christians from every nation and ethnicity and language and social and intellectual background all claiming to have experienced, to have had a personal encounter with the risen Jesus. And you too can have that experience, that encounter, by putting your faith in Jesus. Are you a skeptic like Thomas? Always doubting? Always going down the road of disbelieving? Being really comfortable with, with just not being sure, sitting on the fence, being a skeptic? If so, I believe Jesus is challenging you today to stop doubting and believe. To try believe. This is not blind faith. This is not a leap in the dark. This is a faith based on good historical evidence. Jesus rising from the dead is rooted in history, 
grounded in Scripture and confirmed in experience. So stop doubting and believe. John chapter 20 and verse 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we don't have to have a blind faith. We thank you that it's not a leap in the dark, but that we can trust you, we can trust your promises, we can trust the Word of God, because it's rooted in history, it's grounded in Scripture, and it's confirmed in experience. And so, Father, we want to believe Help us when we have times of doubting and being skeptic. Help us to put our trust in you. Help us to put our faith in you. And may you reveal yourself afresh to us. May we have a fresh encounter with you, the risen Jesus. May we experience your peace. Your peace that transcends all understanding. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.